In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, so our gospel reading really centers around this one idea of living water. Right? Living water, according to Jesus, is the water that he provides. It is the water that once you receive it, you need nothing else. Living water, Jesus says, becomes a spring of eternal life in the one who receives it. And we find out that this living water is superior to the water that one might receive from the well of Jacob. And so the Samaritan woman, learning about this living water, says to Jesus, Sir, give me this living water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, in reading this story, this woman doesn't strike me as naive. She's not really asking Jesus to take away her physical thirst. She's clearly intelligent. She's clearly articulate enough to know that being physically thirsty is part of life in this world. In fact, the story begins with Jesus tired and asking for water from the well. Right? It is simply a law of nature that our bodies need water to function, and everyone understands this. What's unique here is that the woman at the well says that she no longer wants to come to this particular well for water. She doesn't want to have to keep coming here. She's speaking to Jesus about what's going on with her spiritually. In fact, she has heard Jesus say that he has living water for her, and she wants it. She knows that Jesus is speaking spiritually. And so as we read of this woman and look at her first, we can assume that this woman is coming to Jacob's well in shame. Later in the dialogue, of course, Jesus will identify that this woman is apparently not very good at marriage. She's had five husbands, and she's currently living with a man who is not her husband. Well, first, we can be a little compassionate here. Sometimes it's assumed that the woman is simply an adulteress who's broken up all these marriages. That's a possible reading, but it's also possible that she's been the victim of men who have divorced her for one reason or another. In the ancient world, women didn't have any right to divorce husbands. Only husbands could initiate divorce. Or it could be that she is a widow and is now living with a man because she needs the social security a husband could provide in those days, or which a man could provide in those days. It was economically very difficult to be a widow. And so we don't fully know her story. But what we can gather is that she's very likely an outcast. She's shamed by society. She feels very likely ashamed of herself and the decisions that she's had to make. And we know this because she goes to the well at the noon hour. In a hot desert climate, no one gathers water right in the middle of the day. Right, that's the most difficult time to get water. You don't want to carry water in the heat with the sun beating down on you. And so most women who were gathering water would have gone early in the morning and probably again later in the evening. But this woman apparently goes at noon so as not to be in the company of other women and as not to be seen. And so it's very likely that either her behavior or her reputation has made her an outcast. She's notorious in her community and she feels the shame of this. Right? That's her great spiritual problem. She lives with this guilt and this shame, and she has no escape from it. It follows her wherever she goes. And the well she comes to each day is Jacob's well, 
a well that Jacob dug in ancient times, and it's a well that's close to where her people, the Samaritans, worship. So the Samaritans were the descendants of Israelites from the northern kingdom, and they did not worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Instead, they worshiped at a mountain called Mount Gerizim, because at Mount Gerizim, Jacob himself had made sacrifices to God. And so the Samaritans felt that they were following in the footsteps of Jacob by offering sacrifices on this particular mountain. And so they felt that their practice was ancient and traditional. This woman, however, is telling Jesus, is telling us, that Jacob's well is inadequate for her. It's a well that she goes to every day. Every day she needs water, and every day she returns. And that leads us to the second part of her spiritual problem that she brings to Christ. Because she is saying on one level, I keep coming to this mountain, this mountain where my ancestors have worshipped and sacrificed. I keep worshipping and sacrificing, but I'm not spiritually made whole. Every time I walk up this mountain, every time I come to Jacob's well, I walk in shame. The well itself reminds her of her shame, of being an outcast, of not being accepted. And so drawing water each day, she's drawing it and carrying it as an outcast. And so every day is a reminder of this shame. And that's the issue. What is the answer for this woman's guilt and shame? Because the sacrifices of the law, they're on Mount Gerizim, they're not taking care of the problem. Following the practice of her ancestors hasn't been a solution to her sin problem. She needs something else. And that something else is the gospel that Jesus is going to preach to her. Jesus tells her that the water he gives will eliminate her thirst forever. And again, Jesus here is not speaking on the literal level. He doesn't mean that Christians won't need to stay hydrated. But what he means is that Christians will no longer need to go back to sacrifices. They'll no longer need to climb Mount Gerizim. They'll no longer need to come day after day with their guilt and shame and try to make an atonement or a sacrifice for their sins. Jesus is saying he's putting an end to this cycle. Jesus is going to eliminate the guilt of your sins. He's going to eliminate all the attempts that you make to make yourself right with God. And so underneath the interaction of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, we're getting that distinction between what is the law and what is the gospel. The law, the commandments of God, are there to remind us of our sin. They accuse us. Like Jacob's well, when we go to God's law, we know that we are sinners. We feel it. In Sunday school and catechism, we learn the Ten Commandments, and we learn them, and they become a kind of mirror for us because we learn how much we don't keep these commandments. And we go back, and they serve as a mirror, pointing out our sinfulness. Just as for this woman, Jacob's well points to her sinfulness. And so when we come to the law, when we come to the commandments, we see that we don't fear, love, and trust God above all else. Our thoughts are not always loving and pure. Our intentions are not always good. We see that we get jealous. We don't tell the truth. We get unfairly angry. We hurt others. We take the easy way out, and so on. 
In all of these things, we know that we are guilty of what the law demands. And yet the law doesn't fix us. We remain thirsty. It doesn't quench our thirst. We feel guilty for breaking the law, for being sinners. And when we try to go back to the law, we just end up breaking it again. We become even more aware of how inadequate we are. And we can't get out from under the guilt and shame of our own. And so when we read John 4, we need to see that we are the Samaritan woman at the well. We are the ones who have walked in shame. We are the sinners who can't fix ourselves. We are the ones who live constantly trying to quench our thirst in the wrong places. Jesus, however, does not give us new commandments to follow to fix ourselves. He doesn't tell us to make sacrifices or to keep attempting to draw our hope by following the commandments. Instead, Jesus says plainly, I will give you living water. I will take away your guilt and shame. Jesus says you can stop walking in shame because your sin doesn't define you anymore. You can stop trying to fix yourself. You can stop trying to save yourself. It doesn't work. Those wells, those wells of self-improvement, those wells of trying to fix yourself are just going to make you more and more thirsty. And so Jesus says, he has water for you. And that water is going to quench your thirst for all eternity. Good Lutherans, of course, hear this talk of water, this phrase living water, and they ought to think of their baptisms. Water connected to God's word is living water, not simply plain water. It's the water connected to the living word of God that washes away your sins. But I want you to notice one last detail in our gospel reading. Because Jesus says to this woman, the hour is coming and is now here. Well, what hour is it in this story? It's noon. We also know from the Gospel of John that Jesus was crucified at this hour. He was crucified at noon. And so John purposely wants us to make this connection. Because the living water is what Jesus does for you. In fact, John will again show us when Jesus is crucified, the wound in his side produces living water. What Jesus does for you is the living water. The water that brings forth eternal life to you is the death of Jesus Christ. It's where all your sin, all your guilt, and all your shame are taken away from you. When you are baptized, you, through the word of God, are joined to Christ. He takes your sin, and he gives you eternal life. Now, there is very likely some sin in your past or some sin in your present that brings you under the shame and guilt of the law. There's some sin or many sins that you carry around and you feel the weight of them like the Samaritan woman at the well. And so maybe in your life there is something that keeps you up at night. You think, if only I had acted this way, I would not have done this. My life would not have turned out like this. If only I would have been more loving, more faithful when I was younger. If only then I wouldn't have hurt others. I wouldn't have gotten myself into one particular mess or another. Or maybe there is some sin in your life that you just can't seem to stop. There's something you hold on to that you just keep committing. 
could be anger, could be gossip, could be lust, could be doubt, could be any number of things. And you feel the weight of it. You feel the shame of it. Well, Christian friends, please hear me. And please hear the words of Christ here. Because he has living water for you. In fact, Jesus himself is the living water for you. He takes away those sins. He washes them away. He bears the guilt on himself at the cross. So they are no longer your sins. You are forgiven because of what Christ has done for you. Amen.